Red Sky at Night, Andrew by Rowan Pritchard. I always thought the idea of smoke was quite exciting. Campfires, ghost stories. I was like the idea when I was younger. Setting fires, camping out. Feels like proper adventurous stuff. It's a real smell, smoke. I went camping with scouts once and I refused to let my mum wash my jumper because I wanted to smell like that still. Like I was really adventurous. In the bookshop, we have a little wood burner in the corner. It was a really, it was a really romantic idea. Reading by the wood burner, trapped in by books, cups of tea, slices of cake. Nothing but the sounds of pages turning and wood crackling. Of course, the reality is, every time you open the burner to put more logs on, it sets the fire alarm off. But the thing is, it's nice on a jumper. Lingering memories, something you want to be. Not so much when it's acrid and it's slowly seeping in through the windows, the cracks under the doors down the chimney. Then it's terrifying. Do you ever get that thing in dreams? When you're half aware that you're dreaming, but it's still holding you and you can't wake yourself up? Well, that's what it felt like. I knew it wasn't hot enough to be us. There wasn't enough of it anyway. But I still shook Kate awake, carried the kids outside. Of course, then we could see it. People milling, still a fire engine police. I said I'd walk down and see what happened. Everyone was milling around at the bottom of the lane. Long grey plumes dragging out behind them. Me and Kate used to laugh that we rocked up to a ghost town. I wouldn't have believed that the village had this many people. Let alone that they'd all be out down our little lane. On our first night here, we drove up this little lane. We had something on a stereo. Uh, probably the first volume of Chilled Ibiza. Ray Bands. The kids were in the back. It was summer and we were through. We were the dogs. This was a proper adult thing to do. Moving to the country with the kids. Our own little business. The old drive down was unexpectedly stressful. We got lost because the directions from the estate agent were awful. Then we had to deal with the moving vans and the screaming children. It was the first lesson in countryside phone signal being terrible and the unwelcome reminder that the motorway services are expensive. But then, the last step on the instructions. See barn to your left, house ahead and your right. We saw this barn and we knew we were almost there. I still think of it every day when I'm cycling back from work. Barn to your left, almost home. And I'm looking at my milestone. Firemen still trudging about inside its burnt out carcass. And all I can think is, do the church bells always ring at this time in the morning? Why have I never noticed that before? Surely that would wake me up. Or have I been here so long I've tuned it out? My friends back home, whenever we meet up, say, it must be so peaceful. It's like those kind of noises, birds, bells, wind. They're not counted as real noises. They're not man-made, but they're constant. They're never silent. If anything, they're intimidating. There's a woman. She comes into the shop a lot. I don't think she's got anything better to do. I don't know her name. She's told me, but I keep forgetting. 
She likes talkie. Just call her talkie woman. She rushes over telling me about what's happened. About the fire. I just nod. She keeps talking. Won't stop. Stops talking about the fire. Starts talking about the new John Grisham. Which no, I haven't read. And no, I don't plan on reading. She keeps talking. I just nod. Stop listening. Get a few people coming into the shop now and again. This quiet girl comes in sometimes. She actually comes for the books. Or maybe just to be around them. Because she never buys any. Just looks. Occasionally picking one up. Putting it back carefully. I'm not sure if she ever actually spoke to me. Unlike talky woman. Who's still telling me about John Grisham. I don't really listen still. I'm too busy watching these firemen out the window. In the distance. Yellow coats against scorched wood. Their boots stomping through the soft black embers. The fire mostly burnt out. One of the first few weeks we were here. I went for a walk. Because that's the sort of thing you were meant to do out here. You know. Time to yourself. To think. To really be alone. Surrounded by nature. Proper nature. Half the reason we moved out here. The freedom. You could walk for miles out here. And not see anyone. No phone signal. No map. Proper adventure stuff. And then it hit me. I could walk for miles and not see anyone. It started to get dark and that feeling set in. You need to get out of here now. Something bad is going to happen. This is where bad things happen. You could die out here. And no one would know. And it'd take them days to find your body. This feeling wouldn't leave me alone. And I just ran. And I kept running until I saw that barn on my left. Barn on your left. Almost home. I don't think I ever told Kate about that. It's not something you can really explain. But you know, sometimes I'll be at work and I'll feel it. Something in the pit of my stomach. And then I'll realise it's that feeling. Get out of here now. Something bad is going to happen. We were meant to come here to finally start living our lives. Get away from our corporate jobs that were stopping us from doing the things we wanted to do. It was meant to be perfect. Or at least that's what we wanted. We could get a dog. Emily could pick strawberries in the garden. She could walk to school with Isaac every day. I was going to write. I was always sat at a bookshop with a computer and a notebook. Thousands of books around me for inspiration. I haven't written a thing since I got here. Sometimes I think, maybe I haven't written because it doesn't feel like I'm living anymore. I mean, I know I'm alive, but this doesn't feel real a lot of the time. Here it feels like life is always on pause. But we've moved out here now. We can't afford to move back to the city. Not without paying off the shop. The kids are settled in at school. Kate is happy. She has book club and PTA. She was worried she'd have nothing to do out here. But I think she's actually busier now than she was before. Plus, everyone just got over the fact we moved away. It's only a three hour drive. You'd have thought we'd emigrated to Australia. And even then it probably wouldn't be the end of the world. I've heard Australia does have phone lines. Facebook, Skype. 
Australia might actually be better. Because maybe there the Skype would work. Video chats might consist of more than a grainy shot of my forehead that freezes on every other word. We wanted to come here. It was my idea. And it's like, now I can see us being here forever. Dying here and having our own little headstones next to each other in the graveyard by the church. But we're not even doing anything. When we moved here, it was like, you know that bit in American Werewolf in London, where the guys walk into the pub and Rick Mauer's there, and a man playing darts says, you made me miss. Well, I swear, for the first few months, it was like that. Everywhere we went, the kids made it a bit easier. But any time me and Kate wanted to go anywhere alone, it was like they could smell the city on us. And now I'm in the middle of it. Talky woman is still gushing at me about what happened. Someone else has come over. Everything is bustling around me and I'm at the centre of it. That's what we wanted. Community. But I'm part of it now. And I'm not sure I like it. No, I know I don't like it. There's two kinds of fear, right? There's this surface level fear. In the moment, your heart races and everything rushes to your head. It's scary. But then you realise that you were just being an idiot. Like the fear when I thought it was our house on fire. But there's this other fear. This really primal fear that's inescapable. And once it sets in, you just want to be sick. This run back to the house because something doesn't want you here fear. This you messed everything up and now there's no way out. And you're completely alone fear. How am I meant to tell people I can't stand it? It was my idea and all the time it feels like I'm not meant to be here. I'm not meant to be here and it's rejecting me. And now my barn is gone and I really don't have anything. Barn to the left. Only now it wasn't. And if there was no barn then where was home supposed to be? It was like that image triggered a whole sequence in my head. The domino effect or chaos theory. A lot of thoughts all at once trying to battle for my attention but also becoming clear, more coherent than they've been before. Nothing is permanent. Maybe the barn just wanted to leave too. Andrew was performed by Michael Corty and directed by Tina K. Craig for Pentabus Theatre's Young Writers Group. <laughs>